This morning we have the privilege of seeing the character of our God and that he is a God who pursues. Our God is a God who pursues after mankind even while the nature of mankind is to actively run away from him. So what does it look like for God to pursue? What does it look like to run away from God? Is there any hope for those who run from God? Please turn with me to the book of Jonah. In the book of Jonah, we see the gracious pursuit of God. And we see the anatomy of a heart that is running from God. Before I read the passage, let's think through the history of what's, of what's going on here. It's important to note that Jonah is a historical person. He, he's a real prophet in the Old Testament. He's not an imaginary person with an imaginary story. Jesus actually references Jonah in, in Matthew 12, where he says, The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of, of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus talks about Jonah and the Ninevites like they are true historical people because they are. Jonah was alive during the time of Jeroboam II. He did evil in the sight of God. This was a time of wickedness in, in Israel. Jonah had prophesied that Jeroboam II would restore Israel. And it was through this that Jeroboam II succeeded in restoring the border of Israel that had been hurt by past conflict with Assyria. This can be found in 2 Kings chapter 14. Jonah saw with his own eyes the grace of God towards the Israelite people as their borders were restored. Israel did not deserve this favor from God, but God is gracious and provided for his people. We see that Jonah was a prophet of God who had faithfully proclaimed the word of God. He had some ministry success. What he said was true and came to pass. He was listening to the word of God and proclaiming it correctly. And so here lies a danger we all face and why the book of Jonah is so important for all of us to listen to. If someone like the prophet Jonah is able to have a rebellious heart against God, then we can fall into that temptation too. Jonah provides for us an example of a man who has loved the Lord but slips into sin and as he decides to run away from God. Here in the story of Jonah, we have the grace and compassion of God being contrasted with a rebellious and hateful heart of the prophet Jonah. We see that God is a God who pursues we also see the anatomy of a heart running from God. First, God pursues by speaking, and man runs away by not listening and not obeying. And second, God pursues with his sovereign control over life's circumstances, and man runs by ignoring God. And third, God pursues with his saving grace. And a man who is saved by the grace of God will find himself surrounded by God's grace. Let's read Jonah. I'm going to read the first chapter. Jonah chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. 
But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to the dry land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God, we are so thankful for your word. Uh, this morning I ask that uh, you would open our eyes to your truth, that we would see ourselves clearly, clearly and by your grace, uh, repent of any sin and turn to you um, in belief. Amen. God pursues by speaking, and a man runs away by not listening and not obeying. The story begins with the word of the Lord coming to Jonah. The fact that God reveals himself to us through his word is beautiful. God is a God who communicates with his creation. One of the first things we learn about God in scripture is that he speaks. God is not silent. Not only does he speak, but his word is powerful. So powerful that all of existence comes into creation from his powerful word. Light bursts forth at the moment of his instruction. The land and the sea separate at the command of his voice. The stars, the sun, and the moon find their places in the heavens because of his word. Life bursts into existence in obedience to him. God speaks and brings order to chaos, light to darkness, and brings life to the lifeless. And Jonah finds the word of God coming to him because God pursues with his word. And what does God say? God tells Jonah to go to 
the great city of Nineveh and call out against the city because their evil has come up before him. God is calling Jonah to go preach, to expose their evil. This is because God cares for the Ninevites. God's plan is to pursue the Ninevites with the preaching of his word through the prophet Jonah. So who are these Ninevites? The city of Nineveh was a large and prominent city of Assyria. Jonah had a deeply rooted disdain for the Assyrians. In fact, he hated them. And honestly, if we look at this from a purely worldly perspective, he sort of had good reason to hate them. The Assyrians and Ninevites would bring fear in the heart of Jewish people because they were known to be extremely violent and and evil in their conduct, especially with their enemies. They tortured people. They did horrendous things to people. The northern part of Israel, which is where Jonah was from, suffered a great deal because of the Assyrians. The Assyrians were wicked sinners who were an enemy to Israel. So instead of getting up to go to the great city of Nineveh, Jonah gets up and leaves to go in the opposite direction. He gets up and thinks of a city that is in the other direction, Tarshish. He wants to get far away from Nineveh as he possibly can because he hates the Assyrians. He has no desire to present them the word of God. He has no desire to call the Ninevites to repentance. He wants them to experience the full wrath and condemnation of God. That is a heart that is full of hatred. Here we see the beginning of what it takes to run from God. The beginning of rebellion against God will always begin with the rejection of God's word and his commands. When we reject God's word as truth, we will also act out in disobedience to God's word. This is the flow of rebellion and has been our problem since Adam and Eve rejected God's word and in active disobedience ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And is the problem that Jonah has in rejecting the word, of, word and command of God to preach the Ninevites and he leaves to go in the opposite direction? And is the problem we face in our own hearts? The man who is running from God will always be rejecting the word of God And this will be displayed in his active disobedience to the commands of God. The the heart that Jonah is showing is a heart that is in love with himself rather than a heart that is in love with God. Jesus says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jonah is in need of a changed heart. Jonah needs to Learn to love God. And this love for God will overflow into obedience and love for others. But he's a a navel gazer. He's got his eyes upon himself and his own people. And so he is rejecting the heart of God for others. His love for himself shows itself in his hatred for others. And we can be like Jonah, can't we? Jonah had witnessed the grace of God, and restoring the borders of Israel, even though Israel didn't deserve it. That was the grace and mercy of God. And for Jonah, this was wonderful news, that God would provide grace for his own people. Jonah desired the grace of God for Israel, but didn't want 
other people to have the same experience of receiving the grace of God, which is why he runs in the other direction. We can be the same. We can desire the grace of God for ourselves and our own people, but we look at others and want the wrath of God to be poured out on them. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are times we don't want the grace of God for our enemies. We can want the grace of God for ourselves, but judgment for our enemies, especially if they've hurt us. Are you rejecting God's word and God's commands? This question cuts to our heart. The truth of the matter is we've all rejected God's word and God's commands. We've all failed to live a fully righteous and holy life. Every person in this room is in desperate need of grace and compassion of God. The good news is that God provides grace and forgiveness for those who repent and believe in Jesus. Jonah's rejection of God and his word and his disobedience manifests itself in the way that he runs away from God. And he runs away from God in several different ways. Jonah runs from God by using a place, using possessions, using payment, and people. So let's look at the the place. Places can mean a lot for us. Places can have special meaning for us. Um, I know that I have a a place that is special to me. Uh, the, The camp I used to work at. I have some of the best and worst memories of my life there. The thing that makes camp special to me is Um, When I'm there, I'm reminded of the work that God has done in my life. The Lord used that place to raise up mature leaders who would impact my life and disciple me. It's where my wife and I met. There are many memories of the grace of God there. It's a good thing to have places like this. We see how special places can be as God commands Joshua to have the Israelites set up 12 stones as a memorial to what the Lord did in parting the Jordan River as the people crossed the river. The stones were to be a reminder and a teaching tool of the place that God did a mighty work on behalf of his people. And we see Samuel sets up a stone and and names it Ebenezer. It's a place that reminds the people of, of God of the help that God provided. Places can be special to us because we remember places where God has done mighty works. In the midst of this, we must be careful not to enshrine these places and and worship places. God is not more present at these special places as he is anywhere else. We do do not worship a place, but we worship God. Um, This is a way places can be helpful in reminding us of God's goodness, his character, his work. However, Jonah uses a place to run from God. Tarshish represents a place that is in the opposite direction of where God told Jonah to go. Jonah foolishly decides to run from God, thinking that he can flee from the presence of the Lord. For Jonah, Tarshish represents a place where he can go to ignore God, where he can be away from the presence of the Lord, where He does not need to listen to God or be reminded about God. It is a place where he is trying to go in his sin. We can do this too, can't we? 
do you have a place that you go when you are tempted to sin? Or even in the act of sinning? Maybe it's removing yourself from others where you are alone, away from the presence of others. Maybe there's a place in your life that is somewhere that represents your rebellion of God. Maybe you may feel like that place is away from the presence of the Lord, just like Jonah thought that Tarshish would be a place away from the presence of the Lord. I have to tell you, there is nowhere you can go where God does not see you. Proverbs 15.3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. And Psalm 139.7, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? There is no place where we can run from the presence of God. God is the creator of all things. He is all-powerful, and he sees and knows all things. But we can be like Jonah and use places to run from God. And there are more things we use to run from God. Possessions and, and payment. Jonah uses possessions and payment to run from God. And these two things go hand in hand with each other. After Jonah decides to go to Tarshish, he, the place he chooses to run from God, he needs to figure out how to get there. And so he finds a boat. There's this thing, this possession, the boat, that he sees as a way he can get away from God. And so he pays the fare and gets on board the ship. Jonah is looking to flee from the presence of God and is looking for something to help him do that. He turns towards created things in in order to run from the creator God. He's trying to use creation to escape the creator. And this is foolishness. As created beings, the only place where we can go is to a place that has been created. And the only way we can get there is with something that has been created and, and God created all things. Do we honestly think we can run from creation itself? Do you see the foolishness in this? And yet we, like Jonah, can turn toward created things in order to try to escape from God. We can get lost in our possessions or even the possessions of others. But as Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Life is not found in possessions. Life is not found in gathering all this stuff around yourself. But we can think that. If we're not careful, our own possessions will begin to control us. Our possessions will have power over our life. My, my favorite musician and, and poet is a, is a man named John Foreman. Uh, in one of his songs, he says, There's a fire coming that we all go through. You possess your possessions or they possess you. You possess your possessions or they possess you. This is exactly right. If we're not careful, our own possessions can possess us. Possessions can move us to make certain decisions. And whatever we are living life for is, and whatever we are living our life for is in possession of our life. We see this with the rich young man in Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verse 21 says, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. 
When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This man had great possessions, but his possessions really had him. He moves towards his possessions rather than moving towards God. We must be careful that our possessions do not control our life. But Jonah sees someone else's possession, a boat, and pays the fare to use it to run away from God, which moves us into the issue of payment or the use of money in running away from God. Money is a powerful resource. Because of this, we must guard our hearts when it comes to money in order that money would not become an idol of our heart. The way we use our money will show us who we are serving with our life. It will show us the condition of our heart. There's a reason that Scripture says that money, the love of money, is a root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6, 9-10 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Having money isn't evil or wrong. It is the love of money that is evil because it puts the love of money above the love of God. The love of money can shape our lives when our decisions about our work, our spending, and how we use our time revolve around the issue of money. We need to be care- take careful watch on our hearts when it comes to money and how we use it. And part of the reason why money can be so dangerous for us is that it's a means to an end. It helps you get what you want, right? You can, you can buy what you want. It helped Jonah get what he wanted. He wanted to run away, so he used his money to make a payment that helped him run away. He bought a ticket for a boat ride going in the opposite direction. The way we use our money will show our heart. The love of money can consume our lives. Jesus says in Matthew 6.24, no one can serve two masters, for either he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And money is a, a horrible God to have, because money is always leaving you and always forsaking you. Money is constantly leaving your pocket, and money cannot save you. The debt of sin is too great to buy with money. If you had every dollar of wealth that the whole world contained in all of history in an attempt to buy your way into heaven, you would still fall absurdly short because the debt of our sin is so great that no amount of money can pay for it. Money cannot and will not be your savior. Jonah sees the possession of this boat and pays a fee in order to use use it in the attempt to flee from the presence of God So what about us? Are there things that we run to in order to escape God? To escape being obedient to what God has called us to do? Take some time to seriously consider this question. Is there anything that you run to in order to escape God? Is there anything that you use money for that aids in your disobedience to God? The last thing that Jonah uses to run away 
is people. He makes a payment to these people in order to use their possessions. We read in verse 10 that during the storm, they are afraid because Jonah had told them the reason he was getting on the boat. He told them that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. And these men decided, hey, if he's going to pay us some money, sure, we'll help you run. The people we surround ourselves with is so important. Be careful who your best friends are. Are the people you surround yourself with people who will push you to holiness and obedience to God? Are they people who will come alongside you in the struggles of life and encourage you to love God? Are they people who will sharpen you and build you up in the faith? Mankind has the natural tendency to run from God. Thankfully, our God is a God who pursues. God pursues by speaking and man runs away by not listening and not obeying. Second, God pursues with his sovereign control over life circumstances and man runs by ignoring God. After Jonah gets on board the boat and the boat goes out to sea, we read that God hurls a great wind upon the sea. The storm is so great that it's threatening to break up the boat. This is a nightmare of a storm. It even says that the mariners were so afraid that they were crying out to their false gods. These mariners were, no doubt, men who had seen storms on the sea before, but this storm was different. They were afraid and began to hurl their cargo overboard in order to hopefully keep afloat. And where's Jonah? In the midst of this life-threatening storm on the sea that is so strong that it has the potential to break up the boat, he's down in the boat asleep. This is extraordinary to me. Uh, I'm someone who needs to be comfortable to go to sleep. Uh, I want to feel physically comfortable, and my mind needs to be at ease to go to sleep. But as the storm rages, we see that Jonah had gone down to the inner part of the boat to lay down, and he's fast asleep in the midst of this chaos. As the circumstances of life are raging around him, God had hurled a tremendous storm to grab his attention, and he's fast asleep. He is at peace with his sin. Even the mariners are crying out to their false gods, and they appeal to Jonah to cry out to his too. The pagans are telling the prophet of God to pray because they recognize the circumstances. They cast lots and the lot falls on Jonah. They start asking him all these questions and Jonah responds to them saying, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Do you see the irony in this? Jonah is trying to run from the God who created the land, who created the sea, and he is in command of the sea and the land, as is evident with this storm. But Jonah is so set in his rebellion. He is so set in the fact that he does not want to obey God and go preach to Nineveh that he is ignoring what is going on around him. Our God is a sovereign God. He does all that he pleases. God is in control of the wind and the waves. He has hurled the storm on the sea. 
And Jonah's response to this is not to cry out to God in repentance. It is to do nothing. He goes to sleep, and he is awakened by the captain and told to pray. Every circumstance in life should point us back to God as we praise him for the joyous and good moments in life, and as we seek his help and provision in difficult times of life. Now, I I want to be clear to say that if something horrible happens in life, it does not necessarily mean that you're in sin. For Jonah, this is true. He was specifically and blatantly running from God in disobedience. However, when some tragedy happens in life, it it doesn't necessarily mean we are in sin. 2 Corinthians 1 is a great example of this, of, of what I mean. Paul suffered many things. And he says that the reason why they suffered is so that they would be able to comfort others in their affliction with the comfort that they had received from God. And that they would not rely upon themselves, but that they would rely upon God. If you find yourself in a time of life where circumstances are raging around you, like a storm on the sea that threatened to break the boat of your life, I pray that you'd find comfort in this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of any affliction we experience in Assyria, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. The circumstances of life which God is sovereign over, should draw us to seek the Lord and to praise him and to seek the comfort that he provides. Are you ignoring the circumstances of your life? Do the circumstances you face in life point you in the direction of God to seek his comfort, to seek his forgiveness? God pursues with his sovereign control over life circumstances, and man runs by ignoring God. And lastly, God pursues with his saving grace. And a man who is saved by the grace of God will find himself surrounded by God's grace. Jonah has done so much to run from God, but God is pursuing after him in a relentless fashion because He loves Jonah, and he loves the people of Nineveh. God is a gracious and merciful God, 
slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. When the mariners ask Jonah what to do, Jonah tells them to throw him overboard. Jonah decides he wants to die more than he wants to obey God. He even says in verse 12, For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Jonah knows that it's because of his choices and sin that he has put these men in danger. But Jonah is not willing to jump over the boat by himself in order to save the sailors. No, he he tells them to pick him up and hurl him over. Jonah has no regard for their lives. He won't willingly sacrifice his life for the people on the boat. But the men in the boat try to row back to dry land in order to save Jonah. It says that these men rowed hard. They were working hard because they don't want Jonah to die. And the irony, again, here is blatant. The pagans have a bigger heart for Jonah than Jonah has for them. But the sea grows more and more tempestuous so that it comes to a point that the men cry out to God and pick up Jonah and hurl him into the sea. The sea ceases from its raging. And the sailors, in seeing the sea calm, they fear God and offer sacrifice to God and and make vows. Jonah has sinned against God. He has willingly put others in danger. He was unwilling to do what it took to save the sailors. He was unwilling to present the word of God to the Ninevites. He chose death over obedience to God. And Jonah now finds himself overboard. He has chosen death, and he's about to get his wish when suddenly God provides a great fish to swallow up Jonah. God saves him even though he had chosen death over obedience. This is the grace of God. Jonah finds himself literally inside the belly of the fish, inside the saving grace of God in his life. We, like Jonah, not only deserve death, but choose death over obedience with our sin. Yet God, in his overwhelming grace, comes and rescues sinners who repent and believe in Jesus from certain death. Just as Jonah was certainly going to drown in the sea, we will certainly drown in our sin. But praise be to God for the grace and forgiveness that he offers. In the ways, in all the ways that Jonah fails, Jesus triumphs. Jesus is our God who pursues. Something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is the greater Jonah. While Jonah hated his enemies and hoped they would die, Jesus loved his enemies and died for them. While Jonah used a place to run from God, Jesus pursued sinners by taking their place on the cross. While Jonah used possessions to run from God, Jesus pursued sinners by leaving his heavenly possession, his heavenly throne, and humbly came to earth to live among man. While Jonah paid to run away, 
Jesus pursued sinners by providing payment for our sin with his own blood on the cross. While Jonah used people to run from God, Jesus pursued people by seeking to serve them and save them. God is able to overcome our rebellion, overcome our rejection, overcome our ignoring heart. The love of God is powerful. It is powerful to turn hearts back to him. Where are you this morning? Are you running from God like Jonah? I have good news for you. God is a God who pursues. God is a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And he is a God who relents. Let us all repent of our sin and turn to Christ in belief as we praise God for his glorious character in being a God who, in his love for mankind, pursues after sinners and provides salvation. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that in the midst of our running away from you, that you are a God who pursues after us. We thank you that you pursued after us through your son, Jesus Christ. That he came to seek and save the lost. We thank you that you are a God who is able to overcome our rebellious and wayward heart and turn our hearts back to you. God, I ask that for any of us, if there is sin in our lives, that you would be gracious to us, open our eyes, give us the ability to see, give us the power to turn from our sin and turn towards you, that we would no longer run from you, but run towards you. We thank you that you are a God who is capable of doing this, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.